Welcome to Filmmaker Commentary, where we cover movies with commentaries from directors who take the time to record them on Blu-ray and DVDs. We also give our detailed insights, so look out for spoilers. We discuss the latest in showbiz news along with movies and TV shows that we've been watching. So join Reginald Titus Jr. That's me. And Casey G. Smith. That's me. Every week here on Filmmaker Commentary. Yo, welcome to another episode of Filmmaker Commentary. I'm Reginald Titus Jr. I'm joined with Casey G. Smith. Welcome back, sir. Good to be back, sir. And today we're talking about Inglorious Bastards, 2009, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. What was the budget and box office on this film? So Inglorious Bastards, on a $70 million budget, raked in a worldwide global box office of $321.5 million. Wow. What was the budget again? $70 million. Nice. That's a win. Yeah, this. I wonder if this is his most successful global box office. I don't know. I didn't compile them. I don't remember. I I, I would probably say Pulp Fiction. See, now I'm curious. Now I'm curious. <laughs> just box office. Just box office alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say Pulp Fiction. If I was to put my money on it. Let's see here, because the nice thing with IMDb when you look up someone by their name mm-hmm. and it shows their movies, sometimes it shows like the. Box office for the episode. Show me Pulp Fiction. So Kill Bill was more like 66. Oh, Vol- was- volume 2 was more like 66 million. Volume 1 was 70 million. Mm-hmm. The fiction of Pulp. It was like 7 million, wasn't it? 7.5. Like it was under 10. Here we go. Pulp Fiction is about 100 and... Well, that's that's... Really, that's domestic. Let me see. Global. I want the world. Yeah. 214 worldwide. So, Inglourious, Inglourious has it. Well. Almost by 100 million more. If you subtract the budget? Oh, oh I'm out. I'm out. I spent from a gross, a gross, yeah. a worldwide. Oh, it doesn't matter if it's profitable or like if like you take any of that out. Like the budget away from the gross, that doesn't matter. Well, I'm just looking at how much how much it made overall. But, oh, I but see. yeah, you, you, if you if you go that way, then they're going to be pretty close because this is an eight million dollar budget, two hundred and fourteen gross. So that means it gross two hundred and six. I got two hundred six million. I guess I guess mm-hmm. you know, it's two hundred six million dollars profit versus the three hundred and twenty one million minus the seventy million. Places that closer to dun, dun, dun. the calculator here, and of course we're not we're not we don't have the marketing budget itself added in, but three twenty one minus seventy two hundred fifty one million. So yeah, and Glory still still has it. It does. Um, but uh, if I would say the one that was probably the most successful successful overall, it would probably be Pulp Fiction though. Yeah, from a um, home entertainment licensing, uh, ah, less and yeah. just like Pulp Fiction was a it, Pulp Fiction is a that doesn't happen often because iconic. Uh, yeah, Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. is iconic. It's 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 one of the most influential movies of all time. And you have basically you get people that are stars that are giving you pro rate, you know, giving you rates that are like, that are, what's it called? The, um, when they're, um, like the standard rate, like the minimum that you can pay them, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're just doing that, whatever the minimum standard is for that. 
at that time uh what scale it's called scale, scale. Yeah, tripping yeah. so um so yeah when you get actors that are like well-known famous people acting for scale that's why their budget was so low that's true because try to get your older for scale now uh-uh. uh-uh and you know you make up for that like you know you've seen the budgets now are like 60 million 80 million 70 whatever it's like ah, okay Oh yeah, everybody gets that, paid now. We see that that budget climb, but also maybe, but you know, for this one, you see some of the names that are in here, especially because again, like people, some people, some people are kind of doing comebacks in Tarantino's films, and some are on the rise. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple actors in, in in this film that have definitely taken off um, since. I've had some pretty big roles since since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, what awards did this film garner? So, Inglorious Bastards was nominated for multiple awards. Of course, when we talk about the Academy Awards, so doo, 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 doo. so it was nominated for Best Picture of the Year, nice, um, as well as Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role by Christoph Waltz, which he won, right? He did win. Wow. Uh, nominated for Best Achievement in Directing, Best Writing and Original Screenplay, Best Achievement in Cinematography, Best Achievement in Film Editing, Best Achievement in Sound Mixing, and Best Achievement in Sound Editing. That's dope. Yeah, and then it also won, I think Christoph Waltz won the Golden Globe as well for for it's, for acting. And I think, let me see, they may have... It's one of those genres where they're giving awards and anytime you... You know, I get to kill Hitler and do things like, oh yeah, yeah here you go. Yeah, Christoph Waltz <laughs> won it, won it for uh, for that. So um, give us more. Yeah, and there's other international awards that that it won as well that aren't aren't as prominent, but uh, nominated for for plenty. Won an award here in North Texas for again Christoph Waltz Best Supporting Actor for the North Texas Film Critics Association. Okay, let's go. We on the map. Um, distributed by what Weinstein it was a Weinstein company wasn't it you know it um, what was the sentiment at the time what were people saying oh this thing had major major buzz around it not just domestically but but globally uh, mm-hmm. one of the features that I watched about this were it was a round table with uh, Quentin and Brad Pitt with uh, Elvis Bishop Mitchell Mitchell, I always want to say Bishop. Thomas Mitchell, thank you. Uh-huh. And they were talking about how this screened in Germany, mm-hmm. and how a lot of times they were, they were saying a lot of times when Germans are are watching World War II films, often there's a lot of kind of heaviness and, and guilt over it with everything that happened, even mm-hmm. even if they weren't you know ancestors who weren't you know, responsible and you know directly involved in what went down. But but it said like when they were when it was screening there. I slowly started to hear some laughs, and yeah. then like they kind of felt this like relief to be able to laugh at some of the things that were happening, and so that was kind of cathartic. So it seemed to play play well. And one one person said that this was that Quentin had made the the World War Two Nazi film to end all World War Two Nazi films. Like where else? Do For you, sure, there's where, nowhere where to go. Do, yeah, where else do you go from from here? Yeah, I think. But um, but yeah, obviously it was a box office success, and it and it had um, uh, critical acclaim as well. Man. Yeah, that's cool that their country can kind of come together and kind of like, all right, we've been, you know, guilted long enough, you know, <laughs> and we can kind of enjoy and kind of enjoy, and, you know, and they'll like join in in the bashing of, you know, the Nazis in their own country, you know, their own nation. Uh, whereas 
we're we're not there yet, you know, in America. <laughs> like that was that was so long ago, slavery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our our films kind of seem to still be more sad when they end. Yeah, the slave films. But anyhow, um, anything else with sentiment? Sentiment. Uh, uh, no, that was that, that was all I all I have for the sentiment. All right, let's talk about TV news and movies. Wow. So in the news, according to a Variety box office, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 rockets to a $48 million opening day. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 formula kicked off the summer blockbuster season Friday, while Disney's domestic numbers have yet to come in. In analysts, in, analysts indicate the film drew about 48.2 million on its opening day, a figure that includes 17.5 million in Thursday previews. The trilogy caper is on track to land within its expectations heading into the weekend, which has pledged the Disney release to take root with 110 million to 120 million debut through Sunday. That would be enough to notch the second highest opening of the year behind the 146 million that the Super Mario Brothers movie coined over a three day frame. Mario. So, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, Guardians Volume 3 coming, uh, coming along. Uh, to kick off the the summer box office run, and personally, I can say that I went and saw Guardians Volume Three on Saturday early Saturday morning, like a nine thirty showing. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Good. It, I'm glad to hear that because yeah. uh, the last my last little run <laughs> run in with the Guardians was the the Christmas special, and I was like, uh, I don't. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of thrown off. The the nice thing about about this film again, no spoilers, of course, but it it doesn't. And it doesn't have like a, like big ramifications on the MCU as a, as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's kind of contained, and this is this is the conclusion to to the Guardians. That's good trilogy with these with these characters, and uh, it, ha- it has all the things that you would want from a James Gunn Guardians film. It has it has the laughs. It has some it has some awesome. There's a couple of awesome action sequences. Gunn is getting better with towards the end of the, the film. Way. Yo, there there are two shots, and you'll you'll know them when you see them. You're like, yeah. oh, oh, yes, where everybody kind of gets their shining. It's it. They're, they're dope. They're they're dope scenes, and it's got some emotion. I'm not gonna lie, I don't cry at a lot of movies, and I'm not trying to sound tough, or whatever. But I don't cry at a lot of movies. But every now and then, when something just hits, and like this film hit me, towards the end, it hit me a couple times where I was, hey. I was, I was, I I had I was wiping my eyes. And I was trying to stop, and something else happened. It it got it got me, James Gunn. You got me, man. But it was it was it was earned. I, I, I one of the things for me when I judge like how much a, a film, how good a film is, is if it, if it sticks with me. Is after I've watched it yeah. the next couple of days, am I thinking about it? And yeah. I can't stop thinking about this film. Wow. I want I want to go and see that it. That means again. you're going back. Yeah, it's been a while since I've done that. Yeah. Again, I, I, I <laughs> Marvels. Still, they you know. <laughs> but you know, I don't. I mean, of late, I haven't done that with a lot of Marvel films. Yeah, I, I, I did. Mean, I didn't go. You didn't see, go back to Black Widow. You want to go back and watch? That no, one? didn't do that with Quantum Mania. So it's. But also, the, I think one of the factors, honestly, is just that, that. Well, that window between the window between the theaters and Disney Plus has like it's so it's pretty short now. It feels short. That things kind of I feel they jump pretty quick from theater to. To, to the streaming platform now when that wasn't that wasn't around early in the earlier days of the MCU like it was, was going to take a I while th- for them to come I, I, that's true but I think if you really dug the film you would have gone back and watched it probably the following weekend 
with yeah. Wakanda, with Doctor Strange, yeah, man, with Black with, Widow, with with, with, with <laughs> Black Panther. Man, I was I was like five times. I think I saw that thing in the theater. The first one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like five times. I yeah, like, I went back again, but yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's different. It was this time around different, different, it was different. different. It was different vibes though. Different vibes. It was novel to a certain degree, but but anyway. But you know, Guardians three. Yeah, it's it's fantastic, man. It's, I, it's I really enjoyed it. It's been a while to go back to a Marvel film, but yeah, man, you can take take the fam and uh, okay, yeah, I'm starting to dig that one. I took to most of them. Yeah, I remember. I actually remember the first Guardians. Like, when, as soon as I saw it, I, I remember I got a hold of you and Papa. I was like, "You guys have to come and see this movie. <laughs> you have to come and see this movie with me." And so we went back and watched it. And I, <laughs> yeah, sell them. I'm like, "You got to come and see this with me. This True. is awesome." True. Yeah, that's good. Good stuff. Um, what else you been watching? Ooh, so okay on, on HBO Max, there's a, a new show that dropped called The White House Plumbers. I've been seeing those marketing pieces with uh Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson, the man. Now you talk about a guy who always gets work. Like this guy yeah. has not stopped working since Cheers. Like he's <laughs> he is he's always working, man. Yeah, man. Um, but he's so good. I mean, he's. Woody Harrelson is, is, is good, and, and despite anything I've, I've seen him in. But so the White House plumber's basic premise, this is based upon Watergate. You know, uh, I'm sure for many of our listeners, you've heard of Watergate. You may know what it is. You may not know what it is, but we, it, it ultimately got President Nixon to uh, resign from, from office. Yeah. I am not a crook. Anyway, so, <laughs> but this is like the story behind it and the people involved with it. Oh, And no. it's... I, I found it hilarious. I've only one episode dropped so far. It's drops on Mondays, and I watched that first episode, and I was like, I need, I need You're more hooked. of this. It's, 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 yeah, it's like, it's kind of one of those things like, oh man, the level of idiocy. It's like, oh wow, you guys, like, they selected you guys for this, but it's, yeah, and That's Woody, funny. yeah, it's, it's, it's so far, I'm, I'm digging it. Um, Speaking yeah. of Woody Harrelson, um, me and the fam, we watched Zombieland. Double tap this past Friday. Yeah. So uh, to me, not as good as the first one, but uh, still very entertaining. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. Probably not going to win any awards, but uh, you will be entertained. Um, and Woody Harrelson was just as funny as always. Yeah, I've been watching that one in the in the theaters. But uh, yeah, Zombie Land Double Tap. Uh, also, again, I've been I'm still watching uh, Love and Death. The Oh, yeah, sorry. The take on the candy, the other take on the candy Montgomery, Wiley, Texas, murder. Unbelievable. And I thought, I thought this episode, I, I watched the fifth episode right before you, right before you got here. And I thought, oh, surely this has to be the last episode because <laughs> the, 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 the murder's happening. So then from there, you, you know, you got the trial, but nope, there's still another, another episode to come. I'm like, oh. All right. But I, I guess that makes sense. Like the way they handled the episode, I'm like, okay, this, the, the way they're pacing it, Still works, and again, and again, uh, Elizabeth Olsen, man, she's she's doing her thing, man. She's get doing the, her thing. Get the work in. Um, we recently, me and wife, we started a series called Silo on Apple Plus. Okay, sci-fi. It's post-apocalyptic with sci-fi. It's um, yeah. What can I say? I would read the synopsis, but. I don't have it, <laughs> but <laughs> starring, uh, let me go ahead and find it. Cause it's, it deserves a, a read. Uh, what else you've been watching while, as I find this. So also on HBO max, I watched a David Bowie documentary called moon age daydream about okay. David Bowie, which was 
I guess I didn't know that much about Bowie. I knew a couple of his songs, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't know know David Bowie. I, I'd, I'd heard things, but yeah, this this documentary was was pretty pretty revealing, and it was interesting to see his his philosophies, his take on life, and kind of his his journey and his kind of back and forth between like like being openly bisexual in the like late like like late sixties into the seventies. That's like pretty like whoa wow that's like for that time period True. like. Wow, but he was he was doing his thing, and then wired up, and then being and then kind of going. I guess I don't know going straight, but but then like kind of you know marrying the yeah, the model Iman. Okay, they, his some one of his songs was in the Pulp Fiction, or not Pulp Fiction, but uh, Guardians this, Moon Age, uh, the Moon Age Daydream, Inglorious Bastards. Yes, you're right. It was one of his songs, but also he the has a little creepy song. Like, he's like his voice is like, yeah, it's kind of creepy, but it's like ah, oh, sits the vibe. And the first Guardians of the Galaxy, he's got a literally song Moon Age Daydream uh, yeah. in uh, in that. But I mean, Bowie, he he was you know talking about a guy who was good at reinventing himself. Like he always would change his, even his look and everything would change with the with the decade. He would just mm-hmm. continue to reinvent himself. But uh, it was it was it was interesting. Uh, it was the way it was directed was fascinating too. The use of colors and the editing. So watch that. Uh, still rocking out my my night court as well. Oh no! Still pound, pounding through the. the I'm, I'm You'll never be done. Still, <laughs> still in the first season. No, second season. I'm on the second season <laughs> of Night Court. Uh, and there's a lot of cameos by people like, oh, that's that's hey, that's so and so. Oh, that's so and so. Like I saw a dude from Seinfeld, the one the one who got in trouble for, <laughs> yeah, who who who's racial slurs. Yeah, him. <laughs> Oh, uh, Michael Richards and yeah. Richards, yeah, that dude. Yeah, he's he he was in a he had a cameo in there, and um, the, the next episode I watched, Lou Ferrigno is is going to be on there. Nice. The the original dad from the Adams family showed up in there. Yeah, just what's like all these little cameos, people just popping up constantly. But I uh, walk rocking that out, still rocking out with Dallas. Um, yeah, um, Silo, Silo on Apple Plus TV. It's a in a ruined and toxic future. A community exists in a giant underground silo that plunges hundreds of stories deep. There, people live in a society full of regulations they believe are meant to protect them. And it's um, currently has two episodes, and they drop one every Friday. And so we watched the first two episodes. It's starring, hopefully, I'm saying his name right, David David Oyelowo, Oyelowo, Tim Robbins, Rashida Jones, Rebecca Ferguson. So far, so good. Rashida Jones, huh? Yeah. Rashida okay. Jones. I like Rashida Jones. I like Rashida Jones, too. Uh, her and David, they're married in this uh, in this show. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool, man. Um, yeah, so. Silo. Silo. Because apparently I was paying for Apple Plus and didn't realize it. And I mean, so, you, I mean, you tell me that. Like, yeah, oh. go. <laughs> watch something then. Yeah, you go. Get your money's worth. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Oh, I did watch the trailer. I remember you speaking of Woody Harrelson, uh, White Man Can't Jump. You were talking about uh, the new remake. Um, saw the trailer. I was like, okay, looks like it's done. You know, it looks like it's done fair, but I, I don't know if I'm gonna go watch it. But sure, I'm gonna I'm wait for somebody else to tell me what they thought about it. It's see still what, see what the streets are saying. Yeah, because it's still one of those remakes. I'm like, ah, did did we have to do this? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, we shall see. Uh, as far as just in general things, been watching, watch some live TV, some live sports. Yeah, I watched a couple of the uh, the Lakers and Warriors nice games. I watched part of the the Thursday game, like more like the kind of part of the, the first 
half, and then on Saturday, like the first half. Basketball is a different experience these days. Like you start seeing these guys chunk up a lot of threes, and they just get a lead. Like, all right, I guess it's over now. <laughs> well, I mean, both those games yeah happen to be blowouts, but it was interesting in the Saturday game. The you know Anthony Davis, he was like all over the place from from a defensive standpoint, and in a good way. He was blocking shots, he was disrupting play, he was getting steals. Um, LeBron was was hustling, and other players were kind of stepping up. Like LeBron didn't score any points in the first quarter. Because mm-hmm. he didn't have to. He didn't have to. He's like, when AD's fired, you just, hey, pass him well, There was another guy on their squad. I don't know his name. His, his, he had, he wears a number one on his jersey. He, mm-hmm. had, he, he, had, he had like 15 points or something like that in the first quarter. He was kind of on, on fire early on. But, yeah, but the Lakers, they worked hard to keep the lead, and they kept it and ran, ran, ran the Warriors, routed the Warriors. Got a little payback. But, anyway, so, yeah, watch a little bit of NBA basketball. Nothing, playoff time. Nothing wrong with that. User. And today's show was sponsored by Natural Hair, the movie by Grind Over Matter Films, available to stream on Roku On Demand and on Tubi for free. Please check it out and leave a review. And now let's jump back into the show. Thank you for tuning in to Filmmaker Commentary. We're talking about Inglorious Bastards. 2009, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Let's jump into the synopsis. As war rages in Europe, a Nazi scalping squad of American soldiers, known to their enemy as the Bastards, is on a daring mission to take down the leaders of the Third Reich. Inglorious Bastards. Man, can you introduce our cast? I'd be happy to, but first let me say, if this is your first time listening to Filmmaker Commentary, please know that there will be spoilers. You've been forewarned. So the class of M- cast of Inglorious Bastards consists of one, Brad Pitt as Lieutenant Aldo Rain, mm-hmm. as well as Melanie Laurent as Shoshana. We also have Christoph Waltz as Colonel Hans Landa. We have actor-director Eli Roth as Sergeant Donny Donowitz, the... Bear Jew? The Bear Jew, yes, sir. (laughs) As well as Michael Fassbender as Lieutenant Archie Hickox. We also have Diane Kruger as the actress Bridget Von Hammersmack. Hammersmark. As well as uh, Daniel Brule of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and Civil War fame. Uh, as Baron, no, as, yeah, Baron Zemo. Um, as Frederick Zuller, or Zoller. And we also have, he's a little bit bigger, oh, there we go. We have Till Schweiger as Sergeant Hugo Stiglitz. Stiglitz, yeah, he was killing them boys. Yeah, yeah, and, and plenty, plenty of others. There's some great cameos by some other people in here. Um, Mike Myers has a cameo uh, role as well as General Ed Fennick. Uh, Julie Dreyfus, who was also in Kill Bill Volume One, she's the one who got her arm cut off and did the dramatic oh, roll down the hill. Right. She plays Francesca Modino. I think that she was the. Um, that's uh, funny. She I knew was her face looked familiar. Was she like, was what? Sylvester Gross, Joseph Goebel's mistress i believe yeah she had the little poodle yeah <laughs> i've got it. yeah that, that cracked me up i was like what in the way? anyway and the, 
That cracked me up. I had to feel like, wait a minute, let me. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. But yeah, that's just a, yeah, a fantastic cast for uh, Inglorious Bastards. How did you watch this film? Did you watch it when it came out? And how did you watch it this time? I did not see this in theaters originally. Um, I think, where did I first watch this? I think I had to have, I think when I was just doing my Netflix kind of catch up run, I think I rented this or I streamed this and that's how I watched it. Mm -hmm. This maybe would have been, this came out in 2013. So I think I probably watched it somewhere between 2015 and 2020. It was 2013? That was 2000. 2009, excuse me. Okay, I was about to say, what, what, wait? Sorry, I'm looking, looking at other dates. Um, so yeah, I would have watched this between 2011 and 2015, oh, okay. I would say, somewhere around there. Yeah, um, I was working at a hotel, working overnights, and I remember the, the marketing for this. I was like, oh, you know, because they always say, Quentin Tarantino, you know, whatever film number it is, his sixth film, da, 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 da. And then they just start coming out, and you see Brad Pitt with his accent. Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. You, then you, you know, the trailer had the Hitler. He was like, no, no, no. I'm like, what is this? I was like, I'm there. I'm signing up. I'm winning. I'm going to go watch this at the theater. So I went to the theater and watched this, uh, watched this with the wife. And this, uh, she wasn't necessarily like a Quentin Tarantino fan necessarily, but like, this is like, the first film where she said, this is good. Mm. This feels so different from his other films. To me, this mm-hmm. this doesn't quite feel like a Tarantino film all, like all the way. I mean, yes, it has some of the tropes, but this, right. feels, this feels unique from his other films. This feels like a, a, a step up to a certain degree, um, but it feels different from his other films to me. Yeah. Number one, it being a historical piece, you know, it's... Uh, yeah, usually dealing with urban drama or crime, <laughs> but he likes to dip back, like like he likes to dip back in the elements of of the past, especially typically with like kind of the the, the Japanese or the uh, kind of martial arts um, kind of exploitation or kind of exploitation period. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, or at least going to the seventies. But like this time, man, okay, we're going back to the thirties and like forties. Kill Bill stuff. It was more like an homage. It's like in. Most of his films are basic and homage because a lot of his scenes are taken from other films. That's true. So it's like, that's Tarantino all the way. But I agree, you know, this is a different flavor of Tarantino. Yeah, still, it's still, it's still really good. But yeah, it's like, wow, it's this uh, going through all of his other ones, mm-hmm. the previous ones in the succession that we have. It's like, oh man, this one feels, it feels different. Even the dialogue feels feels a little bit different. The flow of the dialogue feels feels different. I agree. I think with. Um, what would I say more international actors uh, being like kind of like raising the level sometimes, you know, when you get some of the international people, they're coming in like hot, you know? So it's like, you got to be on your stuff. You know, uh, Americans sometimes like to, you know, slack off a little bit. (laughs) Hey, it is what it is. Uh, (laughs) You know, but bringing in that international flavor, man, I think that actually you can see the difference in the production value. Yeah, and you know, Quentin's going to use those crews from whatever country he's shooting in. You know, if he's going to he's going to use that local talent, and um, but yeah, I mean, there were some solid performances, and I guess it's different with 
Like I said, there's some you see some of the kind of the pop culture aspects because typically you have characters who are very pop culture savvy having these pop culture conversations, and obviously this time you know the war is the big thing. Mm-hmm. But even when they're playing that card game, that kind of is dealing with some of the pop culture of the time, especially yep. when that when the the Gustavo officer, the way he guesses King Kong, like that's uh, the way he gets the answer. I'm like that's that's pretty smart. That's pretty savvy. Mm-hmm. Um. What did you like or not like about the film? I like the visuals. I like Christoph Waltz's performance as well as Daniel Bruhn and Brad Pitt. Uh, and the the other actors, Melanie Laurent, as well as, where is she at? Um, other actress, uh, uh, Diane Kruger. I, I enjoyed their performances. The tension that's mm-hmm. built throughout from, from the, the very first chapter yeah. uh, to... To the end, like there's like the the, the the tension that's built, especially when Christoph Waltz is in a scene. Mm-hmm. His and he's doing his interrogation. He has this he's disarming, but his authority is so absolute when he tells people to do something, they do it. Or even when he's asking, it's implied that they're going to comply with it because people are just scared for their life because of his his authority and his connection that okay, if I my word and you're you're done. Yep, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, he's he's kind of he's 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 like he's like he's he's terrifying to a certain degree. Uh, but he yeah, but there's a tension that comes with with him just asking questions, and he's yeah, he just for the most part always gets his way. But uh, but his performance is, is is awesome, and just the use of language, how they kind of stay true to people's languages, people speaking German, and you know obviously with that comes the subtitles as well as when they're speaking French. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but that gives it a, a different a different vibe to it as well, and I like and I like as far as like this is not a in the film, but just the what you had mentioned previously in the special features of the high Sally montage. A shout out to the to the editor, like that, yeah. that was pretty cool. Agreed, man. Uh, also, this time around, I forget with um, some of these Tarantino films, they're not just readily available to stream. It's like it's either you're gonna buy it or rent it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But thankfully, I still had my DVD copies, so I watched it that. This time around, yeah, yeah, I had, to, I had to give me a copy from Movie Trading Company. It's the only copy that they had. Like, I find that sometimes it's difficult to could be a challenge to find <laughs> copies of these films. Yep, it's a credit to the director. Yeah, because I think if I'm not mistaken, um, Miramax, um, when all of that kind of went down, uh, or Weinstein, the company. If I'm not mistaken, they sold the company, right? And maybe that's probably what's causing the little bottleneck with some of this stuff. Oh, from a uh, distribution standpoint? Yeah, because, I mean, these things should be streaming everywhere. Fair point. Um, What did I like? Not like... Kind of what Tarantino sometimes, it could be the length sometimes. It's just like, are we... But this one kind of seems like right when it's about to get too long, then we hit a writer. You know what I mean? It's like... It's like kind of like the the right rhythm. Uh, You kind of got to be in the mood to listen to some of the dialogue. Um, But I think this one is just right. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Ends on a dink. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Commentary. Oh, this doesn't have commentary, of course. Uh, Special features. This one had a couple special features on there. I walked, uh, looked through all of them. It does. It has the extended and alternate scenes. There's only about three of those. Again, at the uh, roundtable I alluded to earlier, there's a discussion between Quentin Tarantino, Brad Pitt, and Elvis Mitchell. That was a, that was a good uh, conversation. That was that was that was very solid in relation to the production of the film, and even kind of getting to the headspace of kind of how 
Brad Pitt prepares for roles and how Tarantino's not overly precious about some of the things, uh, how he handles the scripts. We'll make changes as, as needed and really stresses the day of, like how are mm-hmm. we feeling today? Because this is what matters, what we're going to capture. There's also a feature called The Making of the Nations of Snow. The Making of Nations Pride, which is the the film that they're watching in the theater at the at the end of Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, it's the propaganda war film. Exactly, and so but it had they actually it's a, it's a full like six minute short film with Eli Roth pretending to be the guy that directed it. It's hilarious. Who actually? But in real <laughs> life, he, Eli Roth actually did direct it. Yes, but yeah. So, so then they have the. Um, the actual make the actual nation's pride itself that you can watch. The making of is about four minutes. They also have a conversation with Rod Taylor, who played um, Churchill, Winston Churchill, right. in the film. But he's like in the background. It's like he, he doesn't really have a lot to. He doesn't have a lot to, to say or do. But right. he's but he's there. But Tarantino is a fan of him. And he's also also a fan of of, of Quentin. Uh, there's also the original Inglorious Bastards, which to look back at the 19th, this is a 1978 or 1979 film. I've never seen that film. Neither had, neither had I. I was like, oh, it's a thing. And it's actually called The Inglorious Bastards. It makes me think, because uh, uh, Fred, Fred Williamson is in that. He is. And it makes me think of Tropic Thunder with the brother Robert Downey playing the black guy. It made me think of that character. I was like, huh, I wonder if it's, if we go back and watch that, is it based on, loosely based on Tropic Thunder, loosely based on the original Inglorious Bastards? Oh, but like you said, Nam? Yeah. Interesting. That's, that's an interesting thought. Uh, also, there is uh, something called Quentin Tarantino's Camera Angle, which is just a montage of shots of. Oh, an- the- did it say Angle or Angel? Oh, you're right, Angel. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino's Camera Angel, which is. Uh, the person who handles the slate. Yeah, because I, I think last time in Death Proof, his angel might have been uh, Zoe Bell in the special feature. Mm. So he's the ain't in that one. If I'm not mistaken, it was Zoe Bell. Um, but for this one, it was the 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 uh, person doing the slate. Yeah, and she <laughs> and she uses different names she when she's like, doing the slate, like from different directors' names to different names of pasta to just all. It was, it's 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 entertaining little piece to to see, uh, and it's and seeing some of the actors' reactions as she's saying these different things right as they're slating the the scene. Uh, the film poster gallery tour was interesting, especially seeing some of the different posters in for for Italy and Germany and Japan. And that was commentated by Elvis Mitchell, right, on that one. Uh, no, that was another feature that they had where uh, they're looking at the actual like movie posters within the film that mm-hmm. are the, these different foreign films. Yeah. But all of it plays into the research that kind of goes into the film itself. It's pretty deep. It's like what I didn't realize. Like how I mean, I mean, I, I should expect that, but it's like man, that's stuff that you will just miss. And yeah, if you're a cinephile, like like a, especially if you're an international film cinephile, like yeah. this 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 thing is loaded with Easter eggs. The film itself, yeah, pretty pretty deep. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the overall tone of the movie? Uh, tonally speaking, I see this as a is a a dark comedy. Uh, it's kind of how yeah. it comes, yeah. it, but a dark. It's a dark comedy war slash vengeance mm-hmm. film. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, it's it is it is. Sorry, um, it is um, violent. <laughs> 
True. I mean, like sometimes the violence can seem like cartoonish, but in this one, it's like, dang, it kind of feels kind of real. It, should, it just is a little bit more crude. Um, it feels like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, tone also like everyone's kind of like a, like a detective in a way. So mm -hmm. especially like the German, like always asking questions. So you feel like, uh, you know, as you know, the tension starts to rise when they start asking questions. You're like, yeah. Oh man, are we going to get in trouble now? Is this one uh, have they found us out yet? Everybody's trying to to maintain their cover. Yeah, constantly, and it's. Yeah, and just trying not to be trying not to be found out, especially like during the scene that the when Shorsana is sitting with Christoph Waltz or with with uh, Lana, yeah, Landa, excuse me, Landa with 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 uh, Colonel Landa, mm -hmm. and and the fact he just shows up out of nowhere after after uh, Private um, where was he at Private Zoller. Has invited her, uh, and she's been forced to come and sit at this 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 yeah. this lunch meeting. And she's got. She didn't want to be there. Her whole family. She's exactly, sitting. and all of a sudden, it's Landa like that. Him being really like you're like, oh my gosh, what in the world? Like that's got to be just traumatic for her, and she's she's clearly nervous, but yeah. she maintains, and then but once and then he forced her to have the strudel. Oh, it looked to, good too, by the way. Got to order the cream. <laughs> his his the nuance of his performance is it's like Oscar worthy. This guy's a jerk, but he's he's charming, he's but well. he's terrifying. It's like how do you mix all these things together? This this kind monster is what he is. <laughs> uh, and then once he leaves, then then her reaction to <sighs> like she's just broke. Like man, I, this is one of the few films of Tarantino's where I actually read the screenplay before the movie came out. It was this mm -hmm. one, Django. Uh, I can't think of the other one. But I read the screenplay before it came out, and I think she like peed on herself, if I'm not mistaken, in the screenplay. Oh, the cool wow. thing about his screenplay is like there's a lot of stuff in there that's not on the actual he, movie. He talked about that, like there's stuff that he writes that that he feels is necessary for for exposition, for explanation, but that he'll never shoot. Yeah, um, it, it's great to see it. it was, some of that's in Jackie Brown. Some conversations in Pulp Fiction when uh, John Travolta, when his car gets scratched and he just goes on this long dialogue. None of that stuff is in the movie. Mm. But yeah, uh, but yeah, totally, man. Again, this feels like a, a dark, a dark comedy. I think even the the very end kind of encapsulates that. You know, after mm -hmm. they've they've just carved a swastika into Linda's head, and he's like, "This may be my best work yet." Yeah, and then it's boom for the end. Like, oh wow! That's like, okay, that's uh, what it what it is. Speaking of music, uh, the music it's like got this march, like you know, troubles on its way. It's coming. It's like, what are we? Is this victory or is this like are they coming to us? Impending doom. Yeah, man. Um, and the album was nominated for a Grammy award. Um, didn't know that. Uh, it got beat out by Slumdog Millionaire. Um, mm. The soundtrack. But, uh, you don't hear much about about Slumdog Millionaire now nowadays. Yeah, it it's always interesting, like kind of what what things kind of stick and, and stay around for a while. Mm -hmm. mm. From a music standpoint, but I uh, I felt like the music too was was different uh, as well. Yeah, you know? it didn't seem like things were forced. Maybe the David Bowie thing, maybe a little forced, but um, I didn't feel like any of the music was quite forced. I think also with just given the time period it was setting, it, it, it yeah, you weren't going to get a lot of seventies, <laughs> uh, you know. That's why the David Bowie one kind of 
we doing? It's kind of before his time, but okay, we'll we'll accept it. Yeah, same thing happened in Django. We got rap music, you know, during the uh, <laughs> slavery. Yeah, that that throws me off sometimes. Like with period pieces, when you get <laughs> when you get too modern or something, like yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's 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 got it. it it's it's a, it's always a, a little bit of a gamble. Yeah. So, uh, absolutely. From a style standpoint, what do you think they were achieving? Man, um, stylistically, everything looks really crisp. And I also like the color, color wise, even as I'm looking at the, the cover here, the, the colors seem a little muted. Mm-hmm. You know, like almost like almost like a constant, uh, like overcast seems yeah. to be like throughout the the film and, and its and its colors that this drab. It also is kind of, you know, just maybe the effects of war or place being um what's the word I'm looking for? Uh not not invaded but occupied. Yeah. And then you Especially got, when you go in the city. Yeah, and you 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 got bombing and then smoke rising up and covering yeah. block I guess blocking out the sun as well. But it feels like there's like a constant overcast throughout and things are a little a little desaturated to a certain degree. Yeah, like the Probably the brightest part of the film was the, the intro. Scene. Yeah, well, yeah. In, in in the far, in, on farmland, and then as soon as the uh, the Jewish folks get murdered, you know, then we we go into war. Darkness falls across <laughs> the line. Um, there's a shot in that first scene where there's a bright light beaming down on the table, uh, while Christoph, uh, wait, what's this character's name? Lanzo, Colonel Landa. Landa. As he's talking to the father, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What to, uh, but there's like a light beam, and I was like, man, I think that's just a style of Tarantino's because it's in Hateful Eight as well. It's just like this light just beaming down on the table. Like, where did this come from? Um, so I did notice that, and then I noticed like he likes to have a person in the foreground and somebody in the background. They're both in focus. Sometimes it's a digital effect where they cut it out, and sometimes like you see in Jackie Brown, you can kind of see the cutout. Um, in this one, it was. The actress Hammerschneck, whatever her name was, the the actress uh, Hammersmock. So when she was in that tavern, and then Brad Pitt character, he like pops his head down the lat, uh, yeah, down the ladder. We see him in focus, and then we see her in focus as well. Um, but I noticed Tarantino doing that quite a bit in his films. Mm. So like just from a style standpoint, I saw, I saw that a little bit. Good catch, good catch. Uh, from a theme standpoint, what what themes did you have? I had just a few themes here. Uh, killing Nazis, <laughs> a cinema and filmmaking, the suicide mission, and war is hell. War is hell. Um, you kind of alluded to this earlier when, um, this is the main theme that I have, is just everyone is playing someone that they're not in the film. And that kind of came about with Brad Pitt and Quentin Tarantino talking to Elvis Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And they were kind of making fun of Brad Pitt's character because he's the only character that can't play anybody else. Like even when he's trying to play somebody else, he's like, you know, he can't do it. I forgot what he was doing, trying to uh Bongiorno. <laughs> They're supposed to be speaking Italian. Bongiorno. <laughs> like that's an interesting accent. Sorry, could you say it one more time? And the way that uh, Christopher Walsh, he's so he's 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 annoying the way he keeps asking. I'm sorry, could you say it again? Could you say your name again? Like, why is this guy pestering him? Yeah. He keeps <laughs> Barnjarno. And when he busts out with Italian, you're like, oh crap, this dude. 
Yeah. <laughs> he speaks better Italian than these guys. Uh-huh. Oh, man. When the guy said his name, I forgot what the guy said his name was. <laughs> yeah, he does the hand to hand gesture. Like, oh, man. But Marco B. I don't know what he said, but it was funny. He was like proud of that he could say his name. Oh, man. <laughs> um, do you have any favorite scenes or memorable scenes? Uh, again, the opening. That, that, there's one thing I remembered about the film. It was the opening and it was the the theater exploding at the end. Like those those are the two scenes that at the time and the, the tavern scene, those things stuck out to me. But yeah, the opening and just when I first watched, I remember that 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 fear and tension and the people hiding under the floorboards. Yeah. And I didn't remember how it ended. I mean, I knew some people died, but yeah, but I just, I just remember it being very, very tense. And just Christoph Waltz, his, his questions, and the father clearly nervous about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But then when he when he gives them up, it's like, like oh. what do you do? Like, what do you do? It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a no win. Like you are you got your daughters there. You got to look out for them. You know, you tried to hide the folks, but. Hey, yeah, it's them or the gig us. is up. It's it's literally them or survival. Or it's like, oh man. War is terrible. Um I don't know why I thought um I know the Sashana Sosh, uh Sashan? Soshana. Soshana. I know she got away. But I don't know for whatever reason when she was running through the field and all that mud is across her face, she was running, and then we see uh Landis. Landa. Landa with the gun, like about to, you know, shoot, but he misses her. But I don't know why I thought that. See, I didn't think he shot at all. I don't. Th- I don't to me, I, I don't think he pulled the trigger. At he all. just pretend like, yeah, bang. yeah. He just he decided. He just, I don't know why I had the, the scene being she's running, he shoots the gun, and then blood sprays like cut to blood spraying across leaves, but we don't see her die. Mm. So we just I just assume she got wounded. I don't know why that's in my brain. Interesting. It's fascinating <laughs> what uh, what the memories will do. Right. I just like. Pal, spray, but she lives. I was like, oh, that would, that would I don't know. You're like, hey, did somebody edit this thing? Yes. <laughs> My brain like put it together. <laughs> memory, memory clips, memory edits. <laughs> um, f- one of the memorable scenes is just like the close up, like when they're, when uh, uh, um, Brad Pitt's character is talking about scalping and then. As soon as he talks about it, we see them like going in, just close up, scalping somebody. He's like, oh my God, you hear like the flesh tearing? Like, you're like, oh, it looks so real. It's like disgusting. It's disturbing. Yeah, it is, it very well should be. But the guy says he's part, part engine. <laughs> part engine. And uh, yeah, and he's uh, <laughs> bringing that heritage forward and yeah, scalping people. And, and speaking of that same, uh, that same scene, the introduction to the, the Jewish bear. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, him coming out with that bat. The fact that you like, get the, the sound design, yeah, you're like, what is that sound? The belt is like the bat hitting against the hollow walls. You're you get like, the reverb of the bat. What is that sound? It was like coming closer. The yeah. ominous sound of a bat. He's a golem. Buried you with the Boston accent. <laughs> yeah, but he's ready to do his thing. And when he starts wailing, teeing off that guy. Oh man! So the, what makes it seem horrible and like the impact is because the music when he's coming, there's music with him. It's like and everybody's like yeah, and then the music is still going, and then we see the Nazi guy like 
you know, like standing up to it, like, yeah, I'm gonna take this hit. And then the no, music is not. And then the, music, <laughs> and the music is still going, dun, 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 dun. And then, like, Eli pulls that baseball back and then smack. And the music stops and all you hear is skull. You can, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. It's one thing to brace for a slap, maybe even brace for a punch. You yeah. cannot brace the face for a bat. A bat to the skull is not uh, preparable. No. <laughs> like, no. The music just cuts on impact. <laughs> That's, it. That's a wrap. You're done, son. Yeah, we don't You're need done. no more music. <laughs> and I think the guy, like, he, I think he, he starts to, like, twitch yeah, or something like that. Yeah, he having uh, seizures, dude. And, yeah, and, and <laughs> the, the bear Jew just continues to wail on him. Oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. I, whenever I, I think of people with bats, like just horrible scenes of people getting beaten with bats, I think about Casino. Of course, yeah. God. Oh, that's yeesh, rough. Yeesh. <laughs> yeah, that's just especially with the aluminum ones. Yeah. Like Eli had the uh, the wooden bat, so it's a different sound. But when it's the aluminum, the thong, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> oh, that's <man>. the worst. <laughs> yeah, it just rings. Yeah. Oh that's, boy, that's rough. I do like how the Hugo Stilt Glitz Stilt Glitz. Is that his name? I don't know if I'm saying his name right. But Hugo Stiglitz, he's one of the guys that got recruited. He's one of the bastards. But he was recruited because, like, how he was murdering everybody. So there's a murder montage of him just stabbing everybody with that knife. And it's narrated by Samuel Jackson. Yeah. So, so Uncredited, was, by the way. Oh. I was like. Um, so <laughs> that was like, oh, man, Samuel Jackson. That was kind of cool to see the narration. They hear the narration. Yes, sir. Uh, speaking of Samuel L., uh, this reminded me of the another feature that's on the Blu-ray. There is a, a trivia, a Nazi, it's like a Nazi killing trivia game oh, okay. that I actually I played through. It's about it, it's six set of ten questions, so sixty questions in total, multiple choice. But they're they're new. They're about the film. Like oh. okay, who said yada 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 yada? And I played through it. It's 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 a nice, it's a fun little uh, challenge to take. And then a couple times they'll, they'll actually play a scene. You gotta watch and look at the scene carefully, and the scene plays for about thirty seconds of a clip, and then it'll, then it'll ask you, okay, well, in this clip, what what did so and so have in their in their hand? And so it, anyway, it's a it's a fun little deal to to uh, to do. It's a drinking game, hey, pour up, drink, pour up, drink. I do like the the scene when they're talking about accents in the tavern. You know, and that kind of gives people away. And this is like a real thing. It's like in a Tarantino, he talks about it, Elvis Mitchell, about like accents and like how it's unbelievable when you see these other movies, when somebody get dropped into a random territory they've never been in, but they can just kind of blend in with everybody like everybody's dumb or something. But like, no, in real life, if you if you drop yourself down somewhere, people are going to ask, where are you from? Exactly. There's this guy on YouTube. Uh, he's a polyglot. And he can, when he acquires new languages, he probably speaks at least 50 languages. Uh, he acquires the language. He speaks with uh, like a native accent. And so mm. every time people are like astonished that this American guy is talking to them in their, like not even like Mandarin, like breaking it down to Cantonese. And they're like, oh, <laughs> you know, they like it trips them out. And they're like, oh, you must have lived here because your accent sounds like you lived here for years. Mm. And so like, People are respond to that, you know. They by your accent, they know where you're from. You, you hear like somebody from the East Coast or the West Coast, a Southern dialect, like, yeah, or, mid, like, or Midwest. Like, where you from? You know, that's a normal conversation. 
Very much so. So I just like how that's, you know, how it could um, give people away. Speaking of accents and things being given away, my, again, we alluded to this scene earlier, but the, the sound of the French interpreter as she is uh, um, having sex with the, uh, the, the filmmaker, um, what's his name? Uh, sorry, a lot of cast members. As, as uh, Joseph Goebbels, mm-hmm. or Go, Go, Goebbels, is, is, is with Francesca Modino, and she's doing this weird growling, ah, 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 <laughs> but it's very German, very German sounding. It just it cracked me up. <laughs> I don't know why, but that just that just they like just didn't go together. It was that's just, it's, it's done. It's done for a fact. She's supposed to be the French interpreter, but she's making these German growls during uh, during the, the law of making. Oh man. Um, well, another scene is when Shawshanna, she finally lets the uh, actor into the projection room and, you know, he's been coming on hard to her this whole time. And finally, he's like, you know, you 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 need to show some respect, you know, da, 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 like kind of putting her in a place. And then she kind of like, all right, come on in, come on, come on, come on. And then as soon as just lock the door, lock the door. So he locks the door and then she just shoots him pow, pow, pow on the back. Like, oh, like mm-hmm. she hit him. You know, but then like the music is playing, so she's feeling kind of sentimental, and then like she's going towards the bottom. Like, oh no, you don't, don't, yeah. you know, just, as an audience member, you're just like, uh, don't do that, you know, <laughs> I, don't do that. Uh, so she goes. Sure enough, she goes, and this dude just rolls, has his goes to roll him over. He has that pistol ready. Pow! <laughs> and she gets shot in the stomach, and it's like in slow motion, and all her guts are like floating in slow motion across the room. Like, oh, it's over for her. It was like, dang! That I just thought that was. Man, it was a suicide again. It was a suicide mission as it was, but as in as in most war suicide films, yeah, people who are take who are, who have have their plans to to carry their orders to carry out, you will. Mm-hmm. Not everybody makes it along the way, Mm-mm. and unfortunately uh, for Soshana, she uh, yeah she has a moment of compassion for this guy, wow. for the enemy, and. Uh, she pays for it. With her life? <laughs> Fräulein. I like uh, the close-up shot on Eli Roth when they're like, they have the machine guns and they're like reloading and they're just shooting all these Jew- uh, Nazis. They're shooting all these Nazi people inside the theater because the, the theater's on fire. They can't get out. They're locked in. They're picking them off. And there's just these close-ups of Eli Roth like looking psychopathic, just keep just shooting the Nazis. I was like, that's got to be kind of fun. From, well, from it, being him being Jewish, you know, just like it's got to be great. Yeah, like this, like war, <laughs> like this war fantasy. It's kind of like again. I remember this 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 game, this video game I played one time, Mafia Three, and there's a a whole level where you're you're playing a uh, kind of half black, half Creole character, and there's a scene, there's a whole level you get to take out these guys who are very much so like KKK yeah. guys, white cheat dudes. And you wow. you get to go around just murking them. It's one of the funnest times I had in a video game. Okay. It, was, it was it was cathartic. Like, yeah, take this. <laughs> bra, bra. Anyway, but yeah, so I, I can I can definitely appreciate that. So one of the scenes that I, I enjoyed, again, talk about tension, was the the mistake that uh, Fastbender characters make. His character makes when he orders the three drinks. Oh yeah, three drinks. Yeah. And he puts up the the index, the middle finger, and the ring finger yeah. for the three. But then later, um, our our dear actress, 
uh, Miss Hammersmark uh, remarks that he he gave himself away when he when he did that and mm-hmm. made made himself suspicious. Suspicious. The Germans, their their three is the thumb, the the pointer finger, and the middle finger. For Why the, y'all suspicious? Hmm. For the three, <laughs> three. I know you say three in German. Eins, uh, kleins. Yikes. No, I don't know. I don't know three. <laughs> Uh, one of my last memorable scenes is just that uh, we had talked about it earlier is just that when uh, Landis lands, Landa, uh, I probably will never get his name. Uh, when he's just like you know, he think he's he's done this deal. He's like made this perfect deal. He's negotiated like the rest of his life. He's out of the Nazi thing. You know, he's going to move on to a greener pastures. He think he's on his way. I want the Congressional Medal of Honor, mother. <laughs> What? what are you talking about? You war criminal bastard. <laughs> and I want the other men to get them to my like, oh man. And yeah. landing Nantucket? No. Yes. This and my full military pitching? You bastard. Like he's getting mm. Oh man. That, that was great when they just hand him handing Brad Pitt's character the, the pistol, his knife. My knife. Yeah, my knife. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and- handcuffed this man over here. Is that is that necessary? <laughs> oh man! Then they shoot his buddy. Pow! Oh man! And then you I know. think that's a Tarantino trope, like the quick headshot, like it's <laughs> mid conversation. Somebody just casually gets a headshot. Are you what you're saying? Pow. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Did I break your concentration? <laughs> you were saying some of the best intentions. Mm. Um, but yeah, so doing all that, thinking that he got off, and then you know. Um, Brad Pitt character just talking about, hey, um, you're going to probably want to take off that uniform, right? Mm. And so he knows what's coming. <laughs> and so close up of the swasty being like <laughs> embedded into yeah. his forehead. Oh, man, the skin is like peeling up and he's like. They're holding him down while it's happening. Like, the, the camera's kind of pushing in. You see his feet kind of struggling. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, he's getting locked for life. That's rough. So anyhow, any did you have any other memorable scenes? Uh yeah, a couple of them. Uh, kind of alluded, alluded, alluded to this a little bit earlier, but again, this is the scene in the tavern when the Gustavo officer is trying to guess what card he has on his head, and he's kind of you get you he keeps asking questions. Okay, is this uh, someone who was, you know, were they were they there's someone in the jungle or were they or were they you know in an urban area or whatever? And then he's kind of narrowing it down more and more. And like, okay, were they were they were they brought here in, in, in chains? Were they brought to America? Did they have a good experience in America? No. Okay, were they brought in chains? Okay, all right. Uh, were they put on display? And the more he's talking about it, you can you can already see like this allusion to slavery, but he's talking about but you but you know it's King Kong because we can see the card, and you're like, oh damn. I never really like thought of King Kong as maybe a partial analogy to oh, it's a huge slavery. Analogy. Absolutely, I never I, the, the whole metaphor, and then he's always got the white woman in this. <laughs> I had not even. Yeah, it's like a way. It's it's crazy, but Tarantino kind of gives you know, like kind of hints to like some of this propaganda that's in our uh, film history. Mm. Um, kind of like using it as teaching points. Like, oh wow, okay, they're kind of like laughing in your face in a way. Uh, I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't viewed it that way before. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, damn! <laughs> Whoa!" Yeah, but yeah, I was like, "Wow, that was that was that was a little revelatory for me." Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'd seen King Kong. I was like, oh, okay. Huh? Now I'm like, "Oh, damn, King Kong." <laughs> okay. Yeah. So as you go <laughs> watch the black and white one, you're like, "Wait a second, this is racist." <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's racist. <laughs> 
Oh, they're on to us. <laughs> I, guess, I guess Mighty Joe Young probably uh, oh probably is on the same lines too. Anytime there's apes and monkeys in a movie, <laughs> mm. I'm like, I, I question that. Side like, eye. Like, mm. who's, who's doing this? Who's mm. behind this? Especially that one. What was the one movie where it was like had a part one, part two, part three, and the monkeys getting smarter and smarter? Oh, Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> Especially when the one with Mark Wahlberg. See, I, I, my, my brother in law was like, hey, this is racist as shit. He, was, he, was, he, saw that, he was, I would agree with pissed. him. I was like, what? He was uh-huh. real pissed about that one. I, 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 I haven't watched that one to this day because I was like, oh, really? Is that, that, mm. I, 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 like, I, this, it makes you feel away. You know what I mean? It's like, wait a second. But the new Planet of the Eight movies, I really enjoyed. I really, I really yeah. enjoyed those. Those are well done. And they, they especially when the apes rise up, especially again, the first one when Caesar says, no, oh damn, <laughs> going down. Anyway, but a uh, uh, couple of the quick uh, favorite scenes. Yeah, the eight turn when uh, <laughs> when when he asked um, the actress to grab the shoe that's in his coat pocket or oh. grab the item out of his coat pocket. And when she reaches in, she's reaching in and she doesn't, doesn't feel anything. And finally, when she feels, and you see the reaction on her face, like shh, I'm done. Like she knows it's yeah. it's, it's a wrap. She pulls it out, and uh, then when uh, once again Colonel Landa is like, we talked about this, we need creating his own narrative to to make this deal. You know, it was actually my idea to have the dynamite place underneath Hitler's seat. That true story, my idea. <laughs> Smug bastard. Uh, again, when when Hitler gets shot down, like again, even though this is kind of this is where the film takes this fantasy trope, but. Seeing Hitler like shot down, and then a close up of his face is getting shot again. He like, yeah, like that's a that is a like a amazing fantasy of like this 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 evil man is getting his just desserts instead of the reality of him killing himself. Like oh, like 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 he got off the hook. Like didn't face just. This is him facing justice again. Being killed by uh, other Jewish Americans is like, whoa, okay, powerful. Uh, then uh, yeah, so yeah, those we we mentioned the other ones. So yep, tropes, tropes. So again, with Tarantino, he always has kind of some some common things, common tropes that we're going to see throughout his films. I almost thought I was like, man, maybe this one really doesn't have like the foot stuff in it. But then it does have the feet. It, yeah. it comes in like again well, after that shoe comes off. Then you know he has her you know put her foot up there, and so we see him putting the 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 shoe onto the foot. It's uh, more purposeful though. Instead of like it's not instead of like being like more exploitative, mm-hmm. it's more like, oh, this is there's a reason for yeah. her shoe to be her feet to be in the shot versus this is what I do. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean it's like, huh. This is more sub more subdued. <laughs> but yeah, so that that is there. Uh, again, there's uh again, uh one thing I've noticed in the films is characters taking a long drink of something while they're building tension. Oh yeah. Again, we see it in Pulp Fiction. We see it in, I'm sure we see it in Jackie Brown, where somebody's drinking something while they're waiting for something to go down. Uh, Kill Bill, to a certain degree. Somebody, you know, drinking something before stuff goes off. And we have it here as well, especially when Landa is drinking that milk. He drinks the whole freaking glass. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. Milk just isn't that tasty to me anymore. Mmm. But yeah, so yeah, the long drink uh, to build the tension. Um, uh, Negro backstories. 
think that's like a Tarantino thing, you know. Uh, in True Romance, there's a whole thing about the Sicilians and things like that. Um, here they, oh, what was the, was he talking about the Olympics? Um, mm-hmm. They were talking about like how it's like a competitive advantage because they have like the slaves, the, slaves. the people that are doing athletics. So like having like some of that, the the black folks end up in the movie some kind of way, mm. you know, it's like, hey, it's not about us. Y'all, you know. huh. I also have a drug use as a trope because we see, we see um, Landis. Uh, not Landon, but Aldo. Aldo. He's constantly got his little his little cocaine can. Yeah. So is that what it was? Yeah. Was that cocaine? I was wondering what he was sniffing up in there. Uh, something I would think he'd be uh, taking a little some wake bumps up salt, up. some salt. He just yeah. Mm. yeah. So how are we gonna get in this place? Hmm? <laughs> how are we gonna get in this place? Bonjour, bonjour, no. <laughs> <laughs> It was like they were having fun playing that character. For sure, for sure. Then I had a lot of was a, a, the movie within the movie. There's always, uh, yeah. we always yeah, see some yeah, other kind of catch. movie playing, but this one is actually, it's the, uh, you caught the it. propaganda film. Yeah. And on the big screen. Uh, and then the movie, in the movie, in the movie, mm. is her splicing her own movie she made Very to true. that movie. Ha ha. Meta. Meta indeed. All right. Quotes. Uh, this first quote is from Landa himself. He says, Facts can be so misleading, but rumors, whether true or false, reveal some truth. Oh, okay. Uh, we got Aldo. We're in a Nazi killing business. And cutting business this is, is a booming. booming. This is also Aldo kind of expanding uh, after that. He says, And the German will be sickened by us. And the German will talk about us and the German will fear us. And when the German closes his eyes at night while thinking about the horrendous deeds they have done with the thoughts of us that they are tortured with. Oof. Aldo again. We got a Nazi that want to die for his country. Oblige him. Mm. And then that's when Bear Jew comes out and gives him the... <laughs> <laughs> he's, it, what was funny too is that he's like it's the only form of entertainment that we have while we're here and so, and so they actually look forward to seeing someone beat down with a baseball bat man dark <laughs> this is a Fassbender's character uh, a Lieutenant Archie Hickox and um, you know they, he, he's been they've been going back and forth in the in the tavern and he finally he basically knows that his cover's blown and he's like, well, this is it, old boy. Hope you don't mind if I go out speaking, speaking, speaking of speaking the kings. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I know. I, I think it's very English for him to say that. You know, not even saying the king's English, but just speaking the kings. Well, this is it, old boy. Hope you don't mind if I go out speaking the kings. <laughs> oh, I, I, I thought it sounded cool. I'm like, oh. When um, Landis, Landa. There you go. Ah. They he has Aldo and what's the guy that's next to him? Uh, I don't know the character's name, um, but they're he's got them. They're having the discussion. The telephone is on the desk with them. That's Ulmer. Ol- Ulmer. Yeah, he's uh, the one they call the little guy. Like, so yeah. they call you the little guy, the little man. So uh, Al uh, Landa Landai. He's he's talking about you know the nicknames, and he said uh, they call you the little man. He said my nickname is Little Man. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like, about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the little. 
Yeah, you know, I was actually quite surprised to see how tall you were. Not not some uh, circus midget. I was actually quite quite impressed with her. I, <laughs> I, I thought that was funny. Quite impressed. <laughs> My nickname is the Little Man. Uh, he seemed kind of pissed. Um, but the actor. Um, that actor, he was in a, a film that recently came out. I talked about it. It was called Vengeance. Um, that Omar was, Doom, because because he's he's Jewish, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, in real, yeah, he's Jewish in real life. So like, uh, <laughs> and so in Vengeance, he has kind of like that that kind of like witty dialogue, and like kind of like that kind of like assholeish in a way because he played asshole in in Vengeance. Mm. Movie wasn't that good, but his delivery as being an asshole is perfect. He's on it. <laughs> yeah. He's on it. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But yeah, his, his reaction to that is like, call me the little man? Mm. And, and even when he, he uh, in that scene, uh, Landa, Landa asks Adolf another question. He's like, do you think I'd not be a, a oh, because I think, because uh, Adolf is surprised that he knows who they are. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I see the professional courtesy is this, it's not, uh, you know, um, the same? Do you think I would not interrogate each each of the of the people you have you have mutilated and and, and says, tortured? Yeah, he says not reciprocated. Nah. Yes, not. <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh, my last quote. It's also from Alda, and this is towards the, the very end. And 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 while they're they, they've handcuffed. Landa and, and shot his his body. He's like, no, but I've made a deal. I've I, deal. Your, your officer has approved this. He's like, you you'll be you'll be court martialed. You'll be you'll be shot. He's like, I might get chewed out. I've been chewed out before. <laughs> yeah, that was, and it's so true. It's true. That's I'd probably get chewed out. Yeah, most I'd probably get chewed out. I've been chewed out before. <laughs> He's just he's 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 okay with it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man. Um, and then right after that, he says, "I'm going to give you something you can't take off." Whoop whoop. Dang. Do you have any questions for our filmmakers on this film? I do not. How about yourself? Nope. Uh, yeah. Nope. Trivia. Ha ha. I don't have any trivia. I I've, should, but I don't. I've got a just a few here. Uh, Quentin wrote Aldo. For himself initially. Oh, interesting. Uh, during the German screening, I guess I mentioned before, but the audiences felt some relief and then laughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also alluded to this earlier, but Inglorious Bastards is a previous movie titled The Inglorious Bastards that was filmed in 1978. Mm-hmm. And one of the actors from that film actually appears in the, in the uh, propaganda film that they made. The uh, nation's pride. Mm. I can dig it. Yep, that's all I had for trivia. Now it's time for filmmaker tips. What you got? Understand the energy of the set and making the movie within the time allotted. So Tarantino again talks about how important it is. He learned this actually from Death Proof because how long that shoot went. Pardon me. Mm-hmm. The importance of of being able to know where the energy is at when you're getting ready to, to, to shoot for that day where everybody's head is at and keeping that energy up. Um, being able to get what you need, leave a little room maybe for play, some alternate takes, but then, okay, moving, moving on. 
man. Get the energy right, and then you know, change adaptive scene if you, if you need to, to to make sure that it's uh it's it's working. Yeah, that's that takes some experience and maturity to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the filmmaker tips that I had was from actually from Brad Pitt when um, Tarantino. They're talking to Elvis Mitchell about h- how to book Brad Pitt, and he's like, uh, uh, Tarantino's kind of expecting bad news because you know when you know when you have your thing and you finally got the person that you're coming after. If it's somebody that's high, they're usually booked out for two, three years, and you know you got to kind of wait on their time. And Brad Pitt was kind of saying that he learned that um, he doesn't do that anymore. And he leaves himself open because sometimes if you book out like that, by the time it's time to do the thing, you kind of lost your Your interest interest into it. it. Yeah. So he's basically uh, take the gigs as they come and don't stack them up. Um, And your work will end up being better because of it. So kind of passion is fresh. Yeah. And so like. You know, so when uh, when um, Tarantino was like, yeah, we're going to be shooting, I think it was like six weeks or something like that. It was pretty soon. And then Rapper was like, yeah, I'm available. And he preferred it that way. Like, yeah, because also he had something that had come up that ended up falling through as well. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's really, a, it really is a timing thing. Um, so also speaking of Brad Pitt, he said some actors kind of feel their way through characters as an actor. And Brad Pitt in particular, in particular, he feels his way through the physicality of the character. And even as he came up with Aldo, just the, the setting of the jaw to, to get that sound, you know, it's kind of has like an underbite, I guess you could yeah. say. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of where he, where he began to, mm, begin to find. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Kind of reminds me of uh, Sling Blade. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. A little bit of that. Uh, you got any more tips? Uh, that's all I got. I got one more. Uh, this is a, a, a phrase you hear Tarantino say in a lot of the behind the scenes. He'll say, we're going to do one more take. Why? Because we love, love making, making movies. movies. So maybe find a mantra to, to share with your crew when days are running long and you need to keep them energized. Indeed. What are we jumping into next time? Next time we continue our Tarantino tear of films. As we dive into the film Django Unchained. And uh, shout out to, to Jamie Foxx. Hope he's uh, getting better and feeling better uh, based on his recent uh, medical situations. Absolutely. Uh, this film, what would you rate it out of 10 in Glorious Bastards? I'd give it a solid 8. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't have any, I don't have any misgivings. It's not something I would watch. It. I... I'd watch this every couple of years. I'd pop this mm-hmm. in and watch it. Was, it was nice to revisit. And yeah. there was stuff I, I, plenty I had forgotten. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I got a new appreciation for it. And, and especially to watch it in, in light of Tarantino's other films. Yeah. It's like, man, this one is really, it's really good. I, I feel it's a real evolution in his uh, filmmaking. It, I think this is, this is, I think, one of his best. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would think uh, it is in a way uh, with the especially with the history historical pieces, but uh, revisionist history uh, pieces that For he sure. does. Um, so that one you got Django, and then the newest one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I uh, is probably a masterpiece. Mm. I just um, yeah, yeah, but that one's probably a masterpiece. That's why I'm the more I'm kind of thinking about it, I'm like yeah, it probably is. I look forward to. To visiting that one yeah. but again we will be jumping into Django Unchained next time uh, and you can catch us where facebook.com 
forward slash filmmaker commentary. We're also on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. Check us out. Leave a review. Find us on Twitter. He is at Reggie Titus. I'm at KCG Smith 32. We're also on Instagram. And at the gram, it's at filmmaker commentary. And you can find him at Reginald Titus Jr. That's JR. And I'm at KCG Smith 32. Until next time. Peace. Respect. <laughs>